Wow, this is amazing, guys. I, I always find this so awkward if I've been doing worship and then I speak. I feel like I'm a vicar, always at the front. I don't really like it, but it's good because it's a good opportunity to to be with people and share. And you know, God's put some stuff on my heart at the moment that um, I shared something similar with with our church poplars. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that as well. Um, but I shared this similar message a couple of weeks ago. There, I feel like God is doing something in the church as a whole, and we are all about unity. That's that's what we're for. Um, a big mission as as part of Poplar's Church, which is the church that we lead, uh, is that we are part of the church in Works Up. We are not Poplar's Church because it's not just about us. We're part of the church in Works Up. Um, and beyond that, of course, that means we're part of the church in the UK. And we're part of the church in the world. And even then it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Because we're part of the church that has been around in one form or another since God created everything. Right? We're not, this moment is precious, but actually we're part of an eternal perspective. And unless Jesus comes back soon, he is coming soon, by the way, um, but unless he comes back soon, there's going to be generations after us that are part of this same church. We are part of a big picture. And it's so easy to focus in on where we're at right now. And it's important too, because God's got things for us to do. But actually, we've got to get hold of this thing. We are part of something so much bigger than ourselves that's why it's so great to get plugged in on things like those conferences because you go along and it's it's nice to come here on a Sunday morning isn't it? and we love people and we're amongst our friends and we worship and we do all that but you go somewhere like that and you say oh there's thousands more like us this is great and it fires you up and it revives you it brings that revival spirit um Christine Kane just coming back to that as well, I made a note on that. We flipping love Christine Kane. Beth really got me into it, and she's like, her story, if you don't know her story, it is wild. It is wild. I'm not even going to put spoilers in there. Go and find out about Christine Kane. Listen to what she's got, because she is on fire, and she'll light a fire in you. Um, so, okay, right, I'll stop banging on about stuff that was in the notices, and I'll talk to you about something else. <laughs> I, do you know, I love coming to different churches, because everything's different, isn't it? I mean, it's the same, but it's different. We worship, we have the word, we have a two-minute mingle. I love the two-minute mingle. <laughs> my, I think my favourite things about this place are the cup holder on the lectern. <laughs> That's something I'm taking. Also, I went to the toilet and there was hair products and deodorant in there. Which is amazing. No, that's, that's not true. I did spot those things and I thought they were cool. But um, it's so nice to be so welcome somewhere. And there is clearly a sense of the love of God in this place. I mean, there's signs around that say it, aren't there? Um, pretty good coffee too, actually. So I, I just, it's such an honour and a privilege to be invited to other places where people are worshipping. Um, and I don't want to lose sight of that. We're going we're gonna to come back to that a little bit. Um, do you know, I think it's so important what we are doing here, us coming and visiting you guys and speaking and being part of this, because from what I understand, John's been speaking from Acts 2 the last couple of weeks, um, the power of the believers meeting together, right? And like I said a few minutes ago, this is so much bigger than this group of people and our group of people in workshop, and actually the countless people that are meeting across the filed coast. There's churches, congregations, all around this area that are all doing exactly this right now. 
in one form or another. And there is a power that comes to bringing those people together, bringing unity in the body and saying, we are all for this purpose. We might sing the songs differently. We might not sing at all. We might have someone dressed in different clothes. doesn't matter. We are for the glorification of Jesus and for the bringing of the kingdom of God in this place. Okay, right. So, um, I've got a PowerPoint. Are we able to get that up at all? It's posh, isn't it? It means I can rely on that instead of on myself. <laughs> okay, oh, that's a nice picture. Can we advance it? I've, we have one of those little clickers at our place, and without it, I'm going to have to go Chris Whitty on you. So we'll do a next slide, please, sort of thing. So um, we are ambassadors of reconciliation. That's a bit of a wordy thing. I'm going to break that down a little bit. Can we have the, the next slide there? Okay, I'm going to... So I just wanted to tell you a little bit about some of the stuff that I do. I am, I've got two jobs. I'm leader of the church, uh, which I'm very blessed that I get paid for a little bit, and it gives me the opportunity to go and do some stuff. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. My other job is that I'm a tattoo artist. Uh, the two things are a bit unusual to put together, but there we go. I don't actually draw a line between the two. I feel like my ministry and my work in the tattoo shop kind of cross over an awful lot. Um, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the stuff I do as a leader of the church. So as well as speaking and leading worship on a Sunday and doing all sorts of stuff with that, I have the amazing privilege of going into schools and doing uh, assemblies and RE lessons and stuff. So I started off doing assemblies with my friend Gareth. Um, some of you might know Gareth Beer. The Beers used to live over in Blackpool, just around here. Um, and they've moved over to Worktop as well. Gareth's an actor, so I can rely on him in that scenario. He can really make things work. Uh, so we go and do assemblies and we, we talk about Jesus in schools. What's happened is that those schools have started inviting me to teach RE lessons, which is incredible. I couldn't have engineered it. But I'm in these schools. Here's one. This is me with, um, this is actually at Scarlet School, but it's a different year group. This is year four, and we're singing My Lighthouse. And we're worshipping. Isn't that amazing? What a thing to be invited to do. What usually happens is I go into school, and the first question I get asked is, where's Gareth? He's funny. <laughs> like, you're going to have to put up with me. But, so, so we're doing that. Can we have the next one? Um, there, I'm, that, that class, they, they were asking sort of, what do Christians believe? What a thing to be able to go and tell a bunch of six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. This is actually what we're about. It's not about sitting in a pew. It's about Jesus. And so I had a great opportunity to share with them. We'll do one more, I think. Uh, this is the, uh, the parable, uh, not the parable, sorry, the, the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, the feeding of the 5,000. Who was good at feeding lots of people? Dinner ladies. So I dressed up like a dinner lady. Um, but what a privilege it is to be a part of that. Now, the reason that I mentioned this, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come on to something else, but my dad actually was doing that work. He passed away about five years ago, and he was a leader of the church. He'd been a teacher for years and years and years, and when he went into the church, those schools that he'd been involved with started asking him to come in and do assemblies uh, and all sorts of lessons. He doesn't know, well, I guess he does in heaven, but he was never here on earth when I started doing this stuff. But he forged a path for me. The reason actually that I managed to get into these schools in the first place is I was trading on my dad's name. Oh, you're Pete's son. Okay, then in that case, we'll have you. Um, and then 
through the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been able to, to do new stuff with that. But I got in there because of the path that he forged for me. Some of you people right now are forging a path for other people and you don't know it. Listen to what Holy Spirit tells you to do and go and do it because you don't know what difference you're making for someone else in the future. It might seem even like you're not doing an awful lot. But who knows what that person that comes after you along that path is going to achieve for the kingdom. So that's just a bit of encouragement for you. Um, okay, can we go on to the next slide? Okay, so I had a lesson the other week that was a bit tricky. I was asked to teach the story of Noah. And I thought, oh, that's easy, I can do that. I know the story of Noah. And then I sat down with it and thought, hang on a minute. <laughs> the trouble is I've not really thought much about that story for a long time. And when I read it, I thought, this doesn't entirely line up with what I know about God. It's a tricky story, isn't it? Everyone in the world except one little group of people drowned. It doesn't, doesn't quite add up with what I know about God. And so I was going, right, how on earth am I going to teach this thing when I don't understand it? But that was what was on the curriculum, and they asked me to do it, and I said, yeah, I can do that, and then it was too late to say no, wasn't it? <laughs> so I spent some time praying about it, that's always a good idea, and I talked to some friends, that's a good idea too, because other people have wisdom, don't they? Um, and this is, this is what I came to. So here's, here's Noah building his boat, looking him out in the desert. Um, do you know, there's lots of arguments in books and online and everything to explain this. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really that bothered whether you believe that this is an allegory or if it's literal. That's, that's not the issue here. Either way, we can pull some stuff out of it, right? So here's Noah building his boat. There's three types of people in the story of Noah. This is what Holy Spirit was revealing to me. If you read Genesis 6, I'm not going to read all of it because there's, there's lots to it and there's bits in between. But let's go to the next slide. Three types of people, click one on. First, the wicked. You can find that in Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. First group of people in the story, the wicked. Next one, please. Second, the blameless. I think this is interesting because the, the Bible here calls Noah blameless. It says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Well, we know that the only blameless person that's ever walked the earth is Jesus. So there's something interesting in that, and I can't quite put my finger on it yet. But Noah is a blameless man. So you've got the wicked, you've got the blameless, and then the last one, the family of the blameless. So Noah is the only blameless person living on earth. It doesn't say Noah and his family were the only blameless people. Noah was the blameless one. But if you go on to verse 18, I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. The wicked, the blameless, the family of the blameless. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus, isn't it? We are not blameless. We have a choice to make. We can, we can go down the wicked path. We're not blameless, 
But because of the power of Jesus' sacrifice, because of the actions of a blameless man, we get to get on that boat with him. Isn't that amazing? We're adopted into his family and we are now saved too. The thing is, Noah, with his boat, he was, that wasn't his only job to build the boat, was it? It wasn't, that wasn't the only thing. He had to be assigned to people. He had to say, look, God's given you a way out of this mess. Come and get on the boat with me. Change your ways. Turn around, get on the boat and you'll be saved. People chose not to get on the boat. We have chosen to get on the boat with Jesus. And because of what he did, we are saved. God always gives us a way out. Always. So I'm going to talk about reconciliation. I'm going to try not to go on too long. It's exciting though, isn't it? So reconciliation. Let's go on to the next. The next. Okay, hang on. We'll, we'll do some scripture first. I'm jumping around all over the place here. I'm getting too excited. All right, let's, let's read this then. Romans 5, verse 10. This is from the NIV, I think. Is it? Yeah, it is. Verse 10. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Okay, and then I'm going to read this one as well. The next one. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It goes back to that story of Noah, doesn't it? That bit in the middle there. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. The family of the blameless. The people who don't have their sins counted against them because we're family. We could just as easily have been in that first group, couldn't we? The wicked. We all sin. We all get it wrong. Whether we intend to do that or we get something confused and it just goes down a spiraling path. I've been there. Still get there all the time, to be honest. But through the power of Jesus, I am the family of the blameless. And because of what Jesus did, I am reconciled to God. On the boat with him. Let's go on to that next slide ambassador i like this this is a definition from it's like the kids version of this online dictionary it's nice because it breaks the language down a bit so an ambassador a person sent as the chief representative of his or her own government in another country and then an official representative or messenger when it, when the bible talks about us being ambassadors of reconciliation that's really important because we are going into a country that is not our own Right? We've got a foot in two different kingdoms, haven't we? Here we are in the world, and here we are in the kingdom of God. And we're traveling from this, the kingdom, into the world. That was exciting, wasn't it? I am traveling. I'm not going to do that. I'll stay over one side. I think that's, that's safer. Brilliant. Um, 
Yet we are ambassadors going from one kingdom to another, taking a message, that message of reconciliation. And here's the thing. This is not optional. Right? It says here very clearly in, in Corinthians. Um, let me just find the, the actual bit. I've got a big bit of text here. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as through God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. We are taking this ministry of reconciliation into the world. Right? And this happens on a number of different fronts. Firstly, we have to take the message that we have been reconciled to God. And you can be reconciled to God too. There's hope in that, isn't there? Now, how do you best model that to people that don't really understand what that means? Noah had a heck of a job, didn't he? People doing their own thing, and he's building a boat in the desert. It's bananas. What's he doing? And all these people laughing at him. There are ways that we can demonstrate to people what it means to be reconciled to God. And they might not understand who God is. They might not understand that they are in sin that they're mired up in all of this garbage that's going on in the world. They might not see that. We have ways to show them how amazing Jesus is, how filled with grace he is, and how he can affect us. I'm going to tell you a story of something that happened in my family. This is about my granddad. I used to call him Grandar because he was from the northeast. My Grandar. And he'd call us the bands. And his sister, my Auntie Elsie, my great Auntie Elsie. Now, before I was born, this all happened before I was born, they fell out, my granddaughter and his sister, and they didn't talk for 20 years. Now, he'd moved down to Nottinghamshire to work in the pits. She'd stayed up in the northeast in this little village called um, Wheatley Hill. She was up there, and they just didn't talk. No one really could remember why. They'd fallen out about something, and one thing led to another, and they just couldn't get over that barrier, right? Well, one day, my dad went to his dad's house with his car. My granddad didn't have a car. He said, come on, Dad, I'm going to take you out for a drive today. I said, all right, Peter. And he got in the car. And they're going for a drive, and they, they must have been heading up the A1, and by the time he got to Scotch Corner, he must have known where he was going. Maybe not why, but they were, they were going up to where he was from. Anyway, they pull up into the village outside Elsie's house. Ah, oh, Peter, what are you doing, man? I'm not going in there. And my dad says, well, you're going to look pretty stupid sat here in the car because I'm going in. So he gets out of the car and he goes and knocks on the door by himself. Grandad's still in the car. Knocks on the door and my auntie Elsie opens the door. Ah, oh, Peter, oh, man, you've grown. I've not seen you for years, man. Are you doing all right? Is that Arthur in the car? Arthur, come on in, I'll put the kettle on. And she invited him into the house, and for the rest of their lives, until she died, they rang each other every single day. They became best friends. How crazy is it to lose 20 years over something you can't even remember? I think that's nuts. And the story, it breaks my heart that they lost so much, but it fills me with joy that they reconciled. The differences were reconciled. And that is such a symbol of the power of reconciliation, of what happens when we choose Jesus. We are reconciled to each other. And what an amazing way of demonstrating to the world 
what Jesus does. We can fix relationships. Now, I recognize that if you've got any relationships like this, there is only so much you can do, right? We can't control other people, right? So we can reach out to others that for some reason there's been some rift with in our family or friendships or at work or whatever. You can reach out to those people. If they choose not to take you up on that, that's their thing, right? So don't, don't hurt yourselves <laughs> going about this. Don't put yourself in a position where you beat yourself up because you can't fix something. But what you can do is you can be Jesus in that situation. I told this story at Poplar's a couple of weeks ago and there's a, a new guy that's been coming and he, he actually went up to my mum, he didn't tell me. He went up to my mum and he said, oh, what Mark said that story about that. I've not spoken to my sister for 14 years and I don't know why. Can't remember why, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in contact with her. I don't know what's happened with that yet. I don't know if she's responded yet, but isn't that amazing? Just that story can go, right. And what a symbol it is to her then of what Jesus can do. Even if she never gets back in contact with him, he's said something that says, this is what it's all about. Reconciliation, unity, bringing people together. You know, this, the gospel is for everyone, right? Jesus has made this way open to everyone. He's given us a way out. The story of Noah is really about this. If you know that something bad is coming, it's terrifying, right? How do you feel when you're in that situation and someone says there's a way out? Here it is. That's the gospel. We are heading for disaster. And yet, Jesus says, here's the way out. I've got a way for you. And that applies in all sorts of areas of our lives, doesn't it? Oneness is not optional. Unity is not optional. Other people can do whatever they want with it. But we do not have an option on this. We are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. Because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus, I mean, it's, it's not much of a stretch, is it, to say send a text to someone that you love. It's not nailing, well, having yourself nailed to a cross. That's the length that Jesus went to for you so that you could be reconciled to God. He gave everything. And what he's asking is that you make some sacrifices. It is tough. It's hard to swallow your pride, isn't it? <laughs> but he's, he's saying, look, come on, you're part of this. I was talking with Beth about this. She said this. She said, this is the family business. Reconciliation is the family business. You are invited into a family where the business is reconciling people to God and people to each other and creating a community of unity. Forgiveness is so key in this, isn't it? You know, I, I don't know how much teaching you guys have had on forgiveness, how much you've got here or anywhere else. Forgiveness is this strange thing. We're asked to do it, and sometimes it feels like it's an impossible task. But when you manage to actually forgive someone, it brings freedom to us, doesn't it? Have you ever heard this before, that, that 
holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. It's only hurting us. You know, like I say, you can't control what other people do. So if you choose to forgive someone and they don't forgive you, that's their problem. But the freedom that comes from letting go of your own hurt and your own grief and your own brokenness and allowing Jesus to come and work on that in your heart, the freedom that comes from that, whether or not that relationship is reconciled, in some ways it doesn't matter. You are free. So forgiveness is really important in all of this. Um, Beth and I were talking about it, uh, and we really feel like there's some stuff that we can do with this, some ministry type stuff. Is that all right if we, we spend a few minutes? I know we've, we've hit 12 o'clock. We're going to run a little bit later than usual. Um, but let's spend a few minutes working through some stuff. There's a power that comes from what we're doing here. I'm going to move that back up there. Coming and visiting from another church. Because I think there's probably people here who have got hurts that they've carried from other congregations. From either from people in that congregation, from the way that something was done or said, from the leaders of those churches. Um, maybe it was even here. And people that have said things to you, and it's, it's sometimes even hard for you to walk in the building. I, d I don't know. I'm not, I, like I say, I don't know you guys. We're all carrying something, aren't we? We've all got experiences that can be hurtful. Um, but here we are as representatives of other churches, right? And this is an opportunity for us to kind of stand in that place. Yeah, so we just wanted to invite you to, to kind of respond in whatever way that applies to you this morning. But we are absolutely willing to, to like Mark said, just stand in that place and say we are sorry for the ways that you've been hurt or let down or disappointed, misunderstood. Um, and that comes from, this whole message comes from a place of us having to work through and respond in our own ways, which we are continually doing. It's a, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> we never quite arrive because every single day, as we keep our hearts soft, we are vulnerable to hurts, aren't we? We're vulnerable to, to hurts from everyone in our life. So that kind of choice to bring these things to Jesus is continual. But in terms of what's happened in the past, before today, we just wanted to stand in that place and say that we are sorry and ask for your forgiveness in position of those people. You may not ever confront them. You may not ever have an apology, but this could be the start to an incredible healing journey where actually those hurts and triggers are put behind you and you can find new freedom in that area, if that makes sense to you. So, and I, and I, I understand that. It is exciting and it is you know, yes, we are ambassadors of reconciliation and, and, you know, we kind of go out and they know we are Christians by our love, you know, we go out, we love people. And sometimes we see that as so so missional and people that we don't really know, but it's the people that actually we do life with day in and day out. And that tension that we can feel, that, that's the hard stuff. Those are the hard people to love. Those When someone lets me down or I feel misunderstood by someone that's so close to me, that's so painful. It's easy for me to go out and serve coffee and tea or, you know, 
volunteer at a food bank or whatever it is and feel like I'm, I'm loving someone because I've got that distance from them. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's the people that have that access to our hearts and aren't perfect. Those teachers and those pastors and, and, you know, family members and parents and things like that, that's, they have, they, that can really sting in a, in a deeper way. And I was reading this morning, um, in, in the qu- lovely quiet of John and Ruth's house. Like, I don't know how that house is so peaceful. <laughs> it's lovely. And I just sat, sat in the morning just reading and I came across Psalm 51. Um, and David says, you know, this is a, a psalm of repentance where David, you know, he's visited by, by Nathan and then he's repenting for, for some things that he's been called out on. And he says, you know, then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. That's the David we know, the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. He's not on that place right now, but he's saying, then my heart, Lord God, unlock my heart, unlock my lips so he can return to that, that person and that passion. And I will overcome with my joyous praise for the source of your pleasure, God, is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down at your feet. And this is sometimes translated as a, as a contrite spirit. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Humble spirit. You will not, your pleasure is in, is in my humbleness and, and being humble before you. And I think this, this whole thing takes humility. It takes a great deal of humility to, you know, in, in the joyous times of reconciliation, like Mark mentioned with his um, grandfather and, and his sister, and you know, that took humility for Arthur to walk into that house. Massive humility of twenty years of pride. I I would have loved to be a fly on a wall on the wall, partially because I love the Geordie accent; it's brilliant. Um, but also just to see what the exchange was, and kind of like, you talk first. No, you talk first. Like, you know, who's going to say who's going to say what? <laughs> We've all been in those positions. We're like, oh. But it does take an incredible amount of humility to live in this way. But we follow a humble king. And he is the king of humility. He's the king of kindness. And when we focus on him, oh, I think, oh, that changes everything. It, it melts the pride right off my bones. I'm just, I can't be in your presence, Jesus, and hold this, this against somebody when actually you're just perfect and you heal me. And then miraculously, I just want to go and love other people. So two things. So we wanted to, first of all, just pray together again about those hurts potentially from other churches and things. And that was, you know, it could even be for one person this morning. It doesn't matter. He so wants you free from that experience. Okay. So let's do that together. We're going to pray together. And then also Mark and I just wanted to pray an impartation because we have so seen the power of unity within other bodies that Mark spoke about at the beginning. We, we do our youth ministry with all the churches and workshop. We have regularly, you know, other ministers coming and speaking and they bring a totally different vibe and, you know, it's, it's brilliant, but we're seeing churches working together, not just on paper. It's like properly like working together. And I've, I just love that. And I want you to experience that as well. And I want you to, to be the, the ones that reach out to these other, you know, bodies of people and say, you know what, before 
you might have had an issue with us or you know other people you know we're not here to to poach people we're just here to work with you and alongside you and see how that how that partnership starts to grow does that make sense so we just wanted to just pray a blessing on that because we really feel like God is really starting to unite different bodies in places where there has been conflict and, and collision and stuff before so, so it might be that there hasn't even been any conflict yeah, yeah. in that situation right like it doesn't mean that you've fallen out with another church but i do believe that god wants us to work with other believers regardless of what's happened in the past because you know there's power that comes from unity yeah definitely yeah you're absolutely right because you might be thinking well i don't know that doesn't really apply but let's just go with it <laughs> so if you if you guys want to join us we're just going to close our eyes um because that helps certainly me to focus and sometimes god just shows us things in our those pictures we get in our mind's eye sometimes. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have been moving this morning. I thank you for the encouragement that you are speaking to hearts and the way that you are just fanning that flame of, of, of fire within people. I thank you for every person in this room that's just so, so precious. And like John said, you are so proud of. You are so proud of each one of your sons and daughters in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being so proud of us and for constantly reminding us of that when we really need to hear it. But I know your heart hurts when our hearts are hurting, and I know that you love us just the way we are, but too much to leave us that way <laughs> if we're hurting and we're in pain. And so right now, Lord, we just give to you those people that have come up in our minds, maybe from different churches, maybe in, in leadership, maybe in our family. We just give you those people. Lord, you know them. You know every hair on their head. We surrender that, that person or those people to you. And we just choose right now to soften our hearts and to begin that journey of forgiveness. And we just speak to them now. We forgive you. We forgive you. I forgive you for hurting me. I forgive you for letting me down. I forgive you for saying that harsh thing to me, for not seeing me, not hearing me. In your own heart, and your own words, you can position your heart to forgive. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that as these people are brought to our minds, that you can help us to choose forgiveness. You can help us to just choose to surrender them to you rather than demand justice, rather than demand that they pay for what they've done. We just thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you've had mercy on us. And we just choose to focus on you, Jesus, because you so inspire us to have mercy on others. So we just invite you into those relationships, even if they're far away in the past. We invite you into those memories and that relationship. And I, Mark and I just ask on behalf of those people, will you forgive us? And I just thank you, Father, for the freedom that will come from that. I believe, Lord Jesus, that chains are being broken. 
that scales are are being removed that there's there's a harvest a beautiful harvest to reap from the from deciding this lord from choosing to position ourselves and and thank you that we can be that sign of who you are i pray that each person in this room if there is some way that they can reach out to somebody that holy spirit you would inspire them i know father that you don't want to you know have us position ourselves in, in in toxicity or relationships that actually we're not meant to be in right now but if there's a way that you want us to just reach out to somebody and just say a word of encouragement or a word of blessing or to just open that door of communication that you would inspire that and you would help each one of us to just reach out and like mark said we're not after you know, manipulating a situation or controlling a person. We can only control ourselves. But I thank you, Father, that we can do that with you, like you, Jesus, and you can show us. So we trust you in that. And right now, we just want to, Mark and I, we just want to bless you guys. And we just believe that whatever it is that we have experienced and the joy of working with other churches, the joy of seeing that reconciliation and that trust and relationship build. We just impart that to you now. We just believe that God has so much planned for churches working together in the Fylde Coast that actually there are projects, there are events, there are things that are coming, revival meetings yet to be experienced because of the humility that comes from saying we want to work with you we want to open our hearts we we have the same goal of glorifying jesus and seeking and saving the lost and so i thank you father for bringing people in that have um the resources that 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 can be used for this as well i just thank you for all the the amazing things that are coming i've just got such a an expectation for you guys but i also see that there's going to be um just so much unity on the filed coast and that itself is going to be a sign huh even the churches are working together well i just thank you that's going to be such a sign jesus it's something that people are desperate to be a part of desperate to belong to i want to belong to that family i want to belong to that family i want to be accepted like them i want to run with them and experience what they're experiencing all that freedom all that joy all that excitement, what's going on there? And I just thank you, Father, that you are drawing your people into yourself and that these guys get to be that, that amazing net for all those fish to come in <laughs> and be caught and keep, and keep them safe. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the wisdom that you're pouring out on John and Ruth and their team. Thank you for the opportunities that you're going to hand over to them. It's not a striving thing. It's not, okay, well, let's go out and plan these meetings with so-and-so. No, I just thank you that there's favor on them and wisdom for such a time as this, that they can move in this and see the fruit of this, Lord. <laughs>